0: God in the name of Jesus, we um we are um we're blessed to be here uh, today. We are we're we're it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be here, Lord, to be gathered together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, uh, Lord Jesus, you um you came to save the whole world. You didn't come for a, a particular people group. You didn't come for a particular race or a particular culture. You came for everyone. You came for the whosoever believes and lord we 're whosoever and, and thank you for calling us and, and opening our eyes to your grace and your mercy and Lord, we ask that today, as we have uh, worshipped you and, and, and entered that place of corporate worship, lord that, um, that that you would speak to our hearts through your word, God, we know that, um, that you have the ability to speak one word to us that would completely change the trajectory of our life and so what, whatever it is you have, God, uh, give us the uh, energy of the Holy Spirit, the ability to, to be energized and to receive it. Um, and we just thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Jesus, be lifted up and be glorified. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray these things. And everyone said amen. amen. Give someone a high five and have a seat if you would, please. <clears throat> <clears throat> so uh we've been in the midst of this series uh called the uh the power of words the power of words thank thank you miss jit i'll I'll take that i'll take that i I have i have like two here but that's for next service so um uh, the power of words and um i don't know if you've been paying more attention to the words that you speak and the power behind them Uh, uh i have i have i've been trying to be real careful about certain things like i'll Like like I have this tendency sometimes to say, yeah, you know, and I'll I'll be telling a story, and then I'll say, yeah, and I was like, da-da-da, and it was like, no, I was really thinking that I didn't actually say that, and I caught myself the other day, I was telling someone something like, yeah, and I was like, da-da-da, and I go, wait, well, I I didn't exactly say that, but I thought that, you know, but just kind of words and the the power of words, but anyway, uh, the power of words, the power of words, words are powerful, and um, this is the last part in our series, and... There's this particular scripture that I want to talk about, and and the subtitle of our message this morning is The Power of Words in Warfare, The Power of Words in Warfare, okay? Now, back in the Garden of Eden, it was a simple question that Satan spoke to Eve and Adam, Um, a simple question, uh, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? It was words. Now, the fact that Eve is having a conversation with a serpent didn't seem to alarm her. Apparently, the, uh, Adam and Eve were able to communicate with the animals in some way, shape, or form. Okay? So when, when the serpent spoke, it wasn't like, run for your life. There's a snake that's talking. All right? So anyway, but it was words that Satan used. And during the tribulation period, which is the last Seven years of God's dealing with sin and the world and those powers that want to oppose him. That last seven year periods. It is this end-time emperor, this end-time king or leader known as the Antichrist uh, who will... Come on the scene and unite the world economically, religiously, politically. Uh, He will be the answer to all of the earth's problems or so it will seem. Anyway, this man, when he comes, the Antichrist, will possess amazing speaking abilities. Daniel chapter 11, verse 36, speaking of him, says this Then the king, the Antichrist, will do exactly as he pleases. He will exalt himself and magnify himself above every God and will speak astounding and disgusting things against the God of gods, and he will prosper. Until the indignation is finished, for that which is determined by God will be done. So it's that that's, that that speaks to his speaking ability, his his speech. There are those who when who, who have said that when Adolf Hitler was speaking, that it was almost as if someone else was speaking through him. Uh, he had the ability to galvanize an entire people an entire nation not everybody within that nation but an entire nation of people to do this this evil and he used words to do it okay so uh the power of words in warfare um paul's prayer to the church in in thessalonica in second thessalonians chapter three says this Paul is asking for prayer, and on Wednesday nights, we're going through the book of uh, Second Thessalonians, and we're, we're into the last chapter, and so I'm going to borrow a little bit of that teaching to kind of set the backdrop for today. But Paul is asking for prayer from, for some specific things, and here, here's, here's what he says. He says, pray that we may be delivered from perverse and evil people, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one from the evil one okay and so here is here is the thing that as believers in jesus we understand that we live in a dimension uh, that is a physical dimension um the materialist would say that the physical dimension is all there is in other words if you uh, uh if you can't see it if you can't smell it if you can't feel it touch it then it does not exist Uh, The world is comprised of things that we can see. The material world is all there is. There is no immaterial world, is, is what they would say. We understand, though, as believers, that the Bible tells us that there is this background to things that we can see. There's an unseen battle that's being waged for the hearts of men and women and the going forth of the word of God. We understand that there is a spiritual dimension that is beyond what we can see that is very, very real. In fact, that portion that is unseen is more real than that which is physical, that which we can see. And so often there are things that are happening in that realm that we're not aware of that manifest themselves in the physical sense. And so there's this this whole dimension that exists now if you think about it the bible tells us that we are are, are a trichotomy that that we've got not just the physical aspect to our bodies. And we all understand that. In fact, that's the emphasis uh, uh, of the world, uh, the media. It's all about the physical, right? It's all about the outside. And yet the Bible tells us that there's much, much more to our makeup than just the physical. In fact, there is something that's deeper than that. And I heard someone once say that humans are like icebergs in that the most significant part of us is the part you can't see. Oh, there's the outside. There's the part you can see. But how many of you have seen the picture of the iceberg where there's a little bit of ice cap that's off the water and then deep below is this deep, 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 big, broad uh, iceberg that cannot be seen? Well, we're like that. The most significant part of us truly is inside. We have a spirit that needs to be born again and we have emotion. We have a soul. That's the, the seed of our emotions. That's what makes us laugh and what makes us cry and what distinguishes us from animals. Animals don't have a spirit. They don't have a soul, uh, but they have instincts and a body. And that distinguishes us, okay? And so there's a significant part to us uh, that cannot be seen. And so the scripture tells us there are invisible battles that are taking place. Behind the scenes in first Thessalonians two, Paul, the apostle alludes to this where he says, dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you for a while, though, uh, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you. We wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again. But Satan prevented us. Satan not seen but unseen, had apparently in the New Testament and today the ability to prevent even Paul the apostle from accomplishing something that was in his heart to do. That's what he says. We were prevented by Satan. Okay, that's that unseen realm. Ephesians 6.12 says this, and many of you are familiar with this. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, Contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly supernatural places. So there's a battle that's going on that's around us and above us, and there are things that we see and manifestations, things that happen, and, and we go, well, man, where did that come from? What's that all about? Why is it this person just came at me just like they did? And, and, and Paul the Apostle says, hey, remember, we're not wrestling, and by the way, that is an athletic term for an intense, an, an intense physical contact He says, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood and contending with only physical opponents, he says, but against rulers, powers, against uh, world forces um, of this uh, uh, present darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places or supernatural places. Okay? All right. And so the Bible is very clear about that very clear that there's a battle going on that's raging, and we can't always see it. But we get a little bit of a glimpse uh, in the Old Testament and particularly in the New Testament. So between Genesis and between Revelation stands you and I, the church. That's us. And so we are in the midst of this physical world, and yet we're to understand there's a spiritual world that's, that's, that's rolling uh, at the same time. And we're in the midst of this, all right? And so we, we kind of live on this side, but we also have an understanding of the other side. We're not to fear it, but we're to understand that it's there. Paul says, don't be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. There's a, there's a, there's a plan in place. And so this has to do with prayer, and it has to do with our words. So let me give you an example of how Satan, our adversary, the devil, and his minions use words to intimidate. Words to Intimidate. It's in Second Chronicles chapter 32, and uh, it's about a king that's about to get attacked by the king of Assyria. And let's just, I'll just kind of read through the text. And you, you get this sense of how powerful words are and how our adversary, the devil, has always used words. Okay, whether that's words in music, whether that's words in Madison Avenue marketing, whether that's, I mean, there's a reason that you pay what? I don't know a million dollars for maybe it's more than that, like two million dollars for a thirty-second commercial at the super during the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, m- because words are powerful, so are images. And Satan uses all of that. Okay, so Second Chronicles thirty-two verse nine it says, "After this, Shnekerep, king of Assyria, who was besieging Lachish with all his forces, sent his servants to Jerusalem, to Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all the people of Judah who were in Jerusalem." So he's about To take Jerusalem. This is what he says in verse 10. Thus says Shennacherib, king of Assyria, on what are you trusting that you endure the siege in Jerusalem? Is not Hezekiah misleading you that he may give you over to die by famine and by thirst when he tells you the Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem before one altar you shall worship and on it you shall burn your sacrifices? Yeah, they were burning sacrifices and offering on different places. Hezekiah got rid of all of those and said, No, we're going to do it in one place. We're going to worship in one house, in the house of the Lord, not in all these high places. And so this this man is coming and, and he's saying, you know, hey, you know, you don't even have high places anymore. I mean, you, now, now he's, Hezekiah is trying to tell you, you, just come to one place to worship, that's it. Verse 13, do you not know that I and my fathers have, uh, uh, what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Well, that, that's, that, that's true. They were on a roll, Assyria was. They were the, the, the up-and-coming dominant world power. So, so that was true. Were the gods of the nations of those lands at at all able to deliver their lands out of my hand? No, 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 they, they weren't. That's true, too. Okay. Verse 14. Who among the gods of those nations that my fathers devoted to destruction was able to deliver his people from my hand? that your god should be able to deliver you from my hand. Well, he makes a critical error there in that he compares the gods of the other lands that are not really gods with the one true god. And he says, "Their gods weren't able to deliver them, and neither will your god either." So this is where we go, "Oh, well, wait a minute now." Verse 50 now, "Therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you in this fashion, and do not believe him, for no god of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand and from the hand of my fathers that 's true that 's true how much less will your God deliver you out of my hand wrong eh, okay wrong 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 and and if you know the rest of the story you know that God showed up in a pretty miraculous way and delivered his people okay so we live in this world but do you do you hear the the voice of I mean, it's the ultimate trash talk, isn't it? It's like, man, what do you think your God is? Man, your God's nothing. Do you not understand who? We're the Assyrians. We're like the the up-and-comers, all right? Babylon's going bye-bye, all right? We're taking the number one spot in the world, and we're rolling right over you. Okay, Now you all these other gods of all these other nations, yeah, what were they able to do? Nothing. And you know, your God's not going to be able to do. I mean, what are you trusting in? You don't even have high places. You got everybody coming to one place. I mean, who does that? Well, some of what he's saying is true and but the most important thing he's saying is not true. God's ability to take care of his people. How do we live in this world and live out this battle? how do we how do we how do we how do we do this? I mean, this is I mean, wouldn't you rather just not deal with all this? I mean, wouldn't it be easier just to not even know about all this stuff going on? I mean, man, who wants to who wants to? I mean, deal with all that? You know, a lot of people don't believe in the devil and demons and minions. No, I don't believe in all that stuff, man. You know, someone once told me that the devil was created by Christians to keep people in control. Actually, they said it was about a white man, but that's another story. It was a white man who created the devil. I said, well, why do you got to be white? Because he could have been Hispanic or black or could have been anybody. And how would that keep people in control? By fear, really. Everything I know about the devil came from the Bible. And if the Bible says he exists, I kind of think he does. It makes sense. When there's no explanation for the kind of evil that we see in our world, you could say, oh, no, there's an author of that. So Paul's in Ephesus, Acts chapter 19. We're talking about words. Paul's in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, and he's speaking boldly about the kingdom of God. He's reasoning and persuading from the scriptures about the kingdom of God. There are haters Everywhere Paul went, there were haters. Everywhere he went, there were haters. There was a whole group of people who traveled with him but behind him. They'd see they'd right behind him. Where are you going now? Ephesus, come on, we're gonna go to Ephesus. Stir up the people. Paul would start something. He goes to Thessalonica. Here they come. What's up, man? Oh, stir up the people. Three weeks, Paul. When you read first and second Thessalonians, Paul the apostle was in Thessalonica for three weeks. Why? He meant I gotta get out of here, man. It's getting crazy right? Constantly. And they're haters here as well, all right? So uh, Paul heads over to the hall of Tyrannus for two years. He's preaching in a school, basically. He rents a little spot, and he starts preaching the Word of God for two years. Imagine that. How'd you like to go to that school? Hey, man, Paul the Apostle uh, from 11 to 4 every day. Man, I'm all over that, right? Okay? Um, And it says this. It says, all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Greeks and Jews, all the residents of Asia. And there were extraordinary miracles that were taking place, Extraordin- uh, of, a, of an extraordinary kind is, is what that means. Um, not like the dude on TV uh, who, who says for, you know, 99 99 he'll send you a prayer thing and it will heal you if you touch it or lay it. Not like that guy. Or or gal, I don't know. Not like not like not like that person who's. So so they had in the city these Jewish exorcists, and in a in a in a place that is seeped uh, with with occultic activity, Ephesus was. Uh, 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 it was a demonic stronghold. And whenever there's a cultic activity, there's intimidation and there's fear always, always uh, domination. Um, that's what these evil spirits do. And so these Jewish exorcists practice their trade, too. That's what they did. They I don't know whether it was real or not. I don't know. They exercised demons or something. Anyway, so that's the backdrop of Acts chapter 19. It says so. Verse 11 says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Okay. All right, verse 13, then, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to evoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered, okay, that's a bad day at the office when the evil spirit answers. That's like, at that point, I'm already gone. You know, I mean, I'm there for the show, but as soon as the evil spirit, I'm moonwalking right out the back door and, and, and hoping nothing leaves with me. Okay, that's a bad day. Verse 15, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Let me just say, it's one thing to 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 run out of a house. It's another thing to run out of a house wounded. It's a whole other thing to run out of a house wounded and naked. Now, that means these men were terrified, man. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. Fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were who now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic, Arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them and found it to be fifty thousand pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. We're talking about words. Let's talk about invoking the name of Jesus the name of Jesus. It is in the name of Jesus that we approach the father. He is our covenant representative to the king, God, the father. And the way that we get to God is through Jesus. Okay. It is in his name that we ask the father and the things that we ask will be done for us. It is in his name that the Holy, uh, the Holy spirit comes. It is in his name that we do mighty works. It is in his name that we're baptized. It was the name of Jesus that the high council told Peter and John to no longer speak. And they said, man, y'all tripping. We're going to speak of what we've seen and heard. All right. It is the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that demons must flee. We assemble together in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says this. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The Amplified Bible says, for God has provided the world no alternative for salvation. So much for the doctrine of inclusion that says all roads lead to God, doesn't matter what you call them or how you get there. Uh, That's not what the Bible says. Okay? At the name of Jesus, it says in Philippians 2.10, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name of Jesus Speaking the name of Jesus is incredibly powerful. But just speaking the name has no power at all if there's no relationship with him. Does anyone remember that? I distinctly remember being a non-believer, as in not born again. I mean, I was not a hater of God. I just did not have any relationship with him. If you would have asked me 30 years ago, are you a Christian? I would say, well, I consider, yeah, probably. I would, I would, I would say I'm a Christian. I would say that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not like a non-believer. I'm a believer in God. Okay, great, great, great. So, so, uh, do you ever go to church or read your Bible? Well, No, no, I don't, I don't do that. I, I mean, no, no, I, no, not at all. I do have a little pocket Bible. I do. I have that. I. And every time I move, I pack it up and bring it with me. Yeah, I do. And, and, and I have a little statue of Jesus who fell over and the fingers got cut off. And that always worried me. It was like, oh, I couldn't find those two fingers. Put them right there on the, well, it was actually in my drawer. But. And I used his name all the time. all the time. Isn't it amazing how that happens? Why isn't Muhammad's name taken in vain all the time in the movies? Why isn't in a war movie when someone's in a precarious situation, they holler out the name of Jesus? Why don't they call on Buddha? Or Confucius? Why Jesus? Well, one day at the name of Jesus, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But just speaking the name of Jesus with no relationship with him has no power. Now, if I am in relationship with him. And I have the authority to speak forth his name. And there's power in that these 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 sons of Sceva, these seven sons, they, they had heard what, what Paul was doing, and they thought, hey, man, no, no, man, you ain't got to go through all that. All you got to do is speak the name of Jesus, man, like Paul's doing. And so we adjure you by Paul, the, by Jesus, whom Paul preaches to come out. And the demon's like, what? What? Ooh. They thought God worked by formula, and it turns out God doesn't. Notice how Jesus healed. He healed one way on this day and then he heal another way on this day today it's not the same thing it's not he reserves the right to do that but he knows that we love formulas and if we could package a formula then we could sell it (laughs) and for 99.99 you too could have that formula or whatever right he still heals today but he does it differently sometimes he heals in the midst of worship sometimes he heals in dreams and visions Sometimes he heals, and when somebody comes and prays, sometimes he gives someone a word of knowledge, and someone and there's a healing. I mean, it's not like one way, right? These, these sons of Sceva thought that, and then they thought just just say the name. Saying something over and over and over again has the same effect. Nothing. You know, we read about the the, the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. And Jesus never said, repeat these words when you pray. He said, pray like this. You want to know how to pray, pray like this. And so what do we do? We make it a formula. And in certain religious groups, like when I was a young man, I had to say, you know, two Our Fathers and five Hail Marys or whatever. Over and over. And I remember thinking as a boy, why do I have to, like, does not God get it the first time? Why do I have to say it like four times? It doesn't make sense. That was just me. Maybe you relate. I was like, can I just be one and done, sir, behind whoever you are back there? I always wanted to open it up and go, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, like things that kids think in the confessional booth, right? Do you have any sins that you like to confess, young man? Why, well, I got a question first. You got any sins? You need to confess first? <laughs> what? <laughs> And why you got to have this screen right here? Who are you anyway? Dark, creepy figure. I don't even know. <laughs> Things you think. All right, here's another thing. These demon, demons knew some names, didn't they? they Jesus, we know. <clears throat> and Paul, we know. Oh we know Paul. But who are you? That's a bad day at the office when you're an exorcist. You go home to your wife, and she goes, how'd it go today, honey? Ooh, not good, not good. Turns out they don't know me. And what happened to your clothes, man? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Wow. <laughs> you might want to be a carpenter. You might want to turn in your exorcist card at that point, right? Like, Yeah, I used to be an exorcist, man. I no, I'm done with it, man. I don't even want to talk about it no more. Uh. But who are you? It appears that they don't bother themselves with those that are not in opposition to them or with those who are doing their work. It appears that they don't bother with those who are not in opposition to them or those who are doing their work. Wow. Well, let me give you a few reminders. This is a funny story. Man, it's so serious. And it's about invoking the name of Jesus and using words in our warfare. Using words in our warfare. So, some reminders. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says... Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you may be so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. Okay, so it can't be done without being in relationship with Jesus. It cannot be done without being in relationship with jesus secondly it must be done in his name and by his strength it is in his name and by his strength Uh, don't forget this that what's unseen is even more real than that that's seen what's unseen is even more real than that which is seen whoo now Study the Bible and learn the strategies and tactics of the devil. The Bible tells us that. Paul says we're not ignorant of the schemes, strategies of the devil. How do we find out those things? By studying the word of God. Memorize the scriptures. Do you know the power of speaking forth the word of God? The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, which will cut you either way. Sharp, sharp, sharp. And and, and it's in Having the word in our heart and memorizing it and speaking it forth, the word is powerful. It's powerful. That's why we need to be memorizing. We need to know so that in the time of need, we have a reservoir to pull from because we've been in the word and we've been memorizing God's word. It's important to do that. I need to do more of that. How about you? Gosh, I need to do more of that, man. You know what? Pray for discernment to know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, you know, as I mentioned on Wednesday night, it's not that we're supposed to blame a demon for everything and look for demons under rocks. You know, you know, oh, man, you know what you got? You got a demon of alcoholism. No, nah, man, you got an issue you need to deal with. Man, I don't know what's happening, man. I, I just can't. I can't. I oh, no. Oh, well, you know, I just find myself keep going back to that. That, that I keep drinking, keep going. Maybe you shouldn't go to that bar. Don't try to cast out a demon of alcoholism. Why don't you just try to deal with the work of the flesh that you have an issue with, right? I think sometimes we blame demons and Satan on things, and they're like, hey, man, don't blame me. You did that all on your own. Don't bring me into this now, and I'm telling the truth this time, right? (laughs) So it takes discernment. What's going on here? You know, you ever think sometimes? Wait a minute. What? Something's. Something. Something. Something else is happening here. I mean, there's. There's this. Maybe there's a demon that's trying to mess up my day, trying to really distract me. Maybe there's in. There's in 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 my marriage. that I've allowed this stronghold in my family, in my house. There's this. There's this thing in my house that's that I don't, man, what is this? And, and you know, you, by, dis, by being in the word and being discerning, you can know, you can know these things. And then you can know how to pray specifically because we don't always wrestle against flesh and blood, but it's something else that's driving something. There's something behind the scenes. And so we say, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, give me the discernment, give me the discernment to know, to know what's going on, okay? Now, here's, here's the, the, the last point that we'll elaborate. Victory has already been secured at the cross. Uh, and Pastor Jonathan shared a little bit about this last week. And I just want to reiterate it again. Victory has already been secured at the cross. Colossians 2:15 says this: "says He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing o- triumphing over Him." He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing. Uh, triumphing over them in Him, in Christ, God did. Uh, the, speaking of uh, the the rulers, authorities, demonic forces, Satan, that He disarmed them. They're still powerful, and and but they've been disarmed, and and they've been put to shame. And and how did He do that? By tri- He triumphed over them in Christ Jesus. Verse fifteen says this: says. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, this is in the Amplified Bible, the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumph, triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. Through the cross. So a triumph, a triumph is a victory. Here's the thing. A, 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 a celebration is a triumph. A ticker tape parade doesn't happen during the game. Could you imagine if the Broncos since that's kind of just recent, if the Broncos scheduled the the parade on tu- on Tuesday at half t- at halftime during the game for Tuesday? Could, could you imagine if the mayor of 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 Denver s- at halftime says and tweeted it out for all of Colorado to here, we are scheduling the, the tailgate party, the after party, the ticker tape parade for Tuesday at 11 o'clock. Dude, the game ain't over yet. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Right? No, no. Oh, what? No. But the, the, the parade happens not during the game, but after. And, and so the triumph has already happened. It's already happened. The, the triumph happened when? At, at the cross. So today, we live in the victory of the ticker tape parade. We celebrate today what God did through Christ on the cross when he disarmed them and put them to open sh- See, the enemy thought, oh, we put Jesus to shame. He is on that cross, and he's crucified. And the Lord the whole time says, no, see, you got it all wrong. See, you're being put to shame because in three days, he's going to rise from the dead And you will be the one who is put to shame, not Christ Jesus. You are triumphed over at the cross. Man, amazing. So 2 Corinthians 2.14 says this, But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Even today, the victory. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. All right, cool. All right. It's not easy, but the victory's already been secured. It's not easy. So go into battle in the name of Jesus and use words. In particular, the name of Jesus. Why do we end our prayers in Jesus' name? Jesus said, anything you ask in my name will be done. Oh, no, we know it's not a blank check. There's only one person in the Bible who had a blank check. That was King Solomon. But we understand that there's the power and authority of speaking the word of God and speaking in the name of Jesus. When we're in alignment with God, under the authority of Christ, and we ask in Jesus' name, god does what we ask for how cool is that so you know what ah the power of words in warfare may god give us a discerning spirit and may we use the name of jesus with authority and with power with power let's pray father god we are we're thankful for um amen we're thankful for your 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 power your strength your ability lord we um um, we understand that, that there's a there's an unseen world and that you've caused us, you've called us to stand in the gap, to stand firm and not retreat in fear, which would be easy to do, but to stand strong in you and the strength of your might. And so, Lord, we, we, uh, we pray for grace and mercy and strength Um, Jesus we need you now more than ever Mm -hmm. this city needs you now more than ever our nation needs you now more than ever Mm -hmm. Lord we um, we're, we're calling out to you in the name of Jesus and we're asking you God to meet us in that place that we have need. In Jesus' name. I want to.